1: To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You know, I have always been a big fan of honesty. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Intellectual honesty is a big part of setting proper expectations, which can lead to less disappointment. Because expectations minus reality equals disappointment. And so today, we're going to talk about four of the questions that are surrounding the 2022 Buffalo Bills team. Because no team is without questions. No team goes into the year with nothing to consider. There's no potential avenue for any flaw at all. No matter how complete your team is. One of the things that I have historically pounded the table for as a concept, is that your team is never good enough to make luxury picks. Take a year off. Just don't really worry about it. Ah, Get loose. Get fast and loose with team building. The NFL is so incredibly parody-based that because of it, you can't kick your foot off the gas. For a brief second, you can't take your foot off the gas. It's one of the reasons why I'm against taking a running back in round one. Because no matter how good you think your team is, they're not. And because of that, you go into the year with questions. And even a team that is favored right now to be the Super Bowl winner in 2022, they still have questions. And so four of them, I decided I was going to take to the masses. And I posted a poll on Twitter. And I said, which of these things are you most optimistic about? in regards to the Buffalo Bills in 2022? And which of these things are you least optimistic about in regards to the Bills in 2022? And so I combined the results of these polls and I said, okay, I have a good handle for how a good chunk of the people who this poll reached felt about the four topics in question for the Buffalo Bills in 2022. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're going to talk about my feelings on your feelings in regards to ranking most optimistic to least optimistic about the four main points. But before I do that, I'm going to tell a story. So I have an acquaintance who I was talking to a while back who is not romantically engaged. As of the time of this recording, something may have happened since the last time I spoke to him, but all indications are he is not romantically entwined. And I was talking to him a little bit about what he was looking for in a member of the opposite gender. And he said, I just want a nice girl. That's what he told me. I just want a nice girl. And you've probably heard this before from plenty of people in your life. I just want a nice girl. I just want a nice boy. And I stopped and I paused at him for a second. He looked at me and said, Bruce, what's on your mind? And I asked him, I said, okay, now, is this one of those moments where you'd like me to support you? Or is this one of those moments where you'd like me to tell you the truth? Because it's very important that you clarify what someone needs in that moment. Does that person need your support? Do they need you to nod and smile? Or are they actually wanting to know your opinion? And in this case, he said to me, no, I want to know your opinion. And I said that, well, you just told me that you wanted a nice girl. Yeah. But that wasn't it. You said just, I just want a nice girl. And he goes, yeah. And I said, no, you don't. You don't just want a nice girl. And I proceeded to tell him some of the things that I had talked to him about previously and some of the things that he had complained about previous romantic engagements with. Some of the things he had longed for, hoped for openly. And what I told him was, no, what you want is you want someone who takes care of you the way your mother did and is incredibly independent, but not too independent. They want to make sure that They need you, but don't need you too much. They're always available, but not clingy. You want someone who cooks and cleans, but also has an independent full-time job outside of the domestic arts. You want someone who is prim and proper and well-spoken, but also acts like an adult film star in private. You want someone who can bro out with the guys, but not too much of a bro out. You want someone who takes interest in all of your hobbies, but isn't better at any of them than you are. Someone who will hang on your every word, but someone who can carry a conversation. And I told him, this is the scenario. This is the way that we project sometimes what we want out of a romantic partner. And culture tells us this all the time. And it puts tremendous pressure on people to be all these things simultaneously. But in reality, what I said is you're not being honest with yourself. Because some of these things you can't have. And you're not being honest with yourself. You're throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks. And the first step to finding somebody else is finding the truth within yourself as far as what it is you're looking for. Because how on earth are you supposed to prioritize the factors that are important to you and judge those qualities in somebody else if you don't even know yourself? So we sat down and we started talking about this. And I said, okay, it's important that you recognize the things that are important and the things that aren't important. Things that are gonna change over time, things that aren't gonna change over time. But the first step is you have to be honest with yourself. And I tell you that story because sometimes we're not honest with ourselves about the way the team looks going into a year. We're not honest about any potential flaws. Remember, in the off season, everybody's amazing. And then week seven, after you just came off a disappointing loss, you should fire the whole world. That's the way this typically works as far as cycles go. So sometimes when I ask the question, which one of these things are you most optimistic about? someone will say, well, I'm optimistic about all of them. Well, first off, of course you are because it's the offseason, but that's not what I said. What are you most optimistic about? And so there are four things specifically. There are not only four questions about the Buffalo Bills going into 2022, but there are four that I thought were interesting that I wanted to bring up. And here are the four. Number one, how's Gabriel Davis going to do as wide receiver two? Number two, are the Bills going to have an answer at punt returner and kick returner? Number three, how is the swap going to go between Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey? Number four, is Kyrie Elam going to be the guy at CB2 who can actually help take this defense to the next level? Is the search over for CB2? Those were the four questions I posed to Bills Mafia on Twitter. And I said, let's be honest with ourselves. Which one of these things are you most optimistic about? And which one of these things are you least optimistic about? And here were the results. As far as most optimistic, here were the rankings. The most optimistic for Bills Mafia was Gabriel Davis at wide receiver two. 57.2% of respondents said that they were most optimistic about the Bills question in 2022 being correctly answered as is Gabriel Davis the guy at wide receiver two? How's he going to do? Number two, the second most optimistic thing for the Buffalo Bills was Kyrie Elam at CB1. They're very confident. 22.7% of respondents said that they were most optimistic about Kyrie Elam being the guy at CB2. The third most optimistic point for the Buffalo Bills fans who responded was the Brian Dable Ken Dorsey swap would end up fine. 17.6%. And in a distant fourth, the fewest amount of people responded that they were okay and most optimistic about finding an answer at punt returner and kick returner. 2.5%. Now when I switched it, and said, which of these are you least optimistic about in regards to the Bills in 2022? The number one answer was punt returner, kick return. So those two things together, the least amount of people said that they were most optimistic about it, and the most amount of people said they were least optimistic about it. Those two things line up. So of the four, the Buffalo Bills fans are least optimistic about finding an answer at punt or kick return. And I get that. At the end of the year, you saw Micah Hyde. The additions to that spot so far this offseason have been Khalil Shakir, who has some punt return, kick return experience. Some, not a lot, but a little bit less than McKenzie did coming out. That's about it. So there's a very reasonable chance that you end up with Micah Hyde back there returning punts because they know they can field them, and none of us are happy with that. But you give... Isaiah McKenzie a crack at it. You give Marcus Stevenson a crack at it, which might be his only opportunity to make the team in 2022. And you give Khalil Shakir. So essentially you're running it back from last year with the addition of Khalil Shakir. You didn't get anybody who's an experienced return man who comes in and just says, okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Andre Roberts ain't walking through that door. That position isn't locked down. There's the most question about it. And I got to be honest, in regards to my stance on this, I agree with Bill's Mafia. This is the thing I am the most concerned about of the four that we listed. Now, you can make an argument as to how important those things are until someone muffs a punt and gives a possession back to the team that just punted it away. Bill's defense does their job. Big punt, muff, congratulations. They just gained 50 yards on fourth down. Because that's what that is. That's them converting a fourth down with a 50-yard gain. Or a 45-yard gain. And that can really swing things. So I as well am the least optimistic about this thing. The next thing that the Buffalo Bills fans say they were least optimistic about was the Dorsey-Dable swap. So... They were the third most optimistic about it and the second least optimistic about it, which means if we're providing an aggregate here, the thing Bills Mafia is most optimistic about, Gabriel Davis. The thing they're least optimistic about, finding an answer at punt return, kick returner. The second thing that they're most worried about, they're most worried about, punt return kick returner. The thing they're second most worried about is the Dorsey-Dable swap. And I got to be honest, I'm with you on this one too. Everyone seems to think that Brian Dable, who had a ton of experience calling plays, a ton of experience. One of the knocks on Brian Dable coming to the Buffalo Bills was that you had tons, tons of data on him. And sometimes it's a bad thing when it comes to the fans because the lack of data leaves a vacuum and fans fill the vacuum with hope. It's one of the great things about off seasons is that what you see is any vacuum that is left behind in the absence of data is filled with hope because they're fans and that's what they do and that's okay, but that's what they do. It's one of the reasons why you constantly have people cheering for a backup. Oh, I want to put a backup in. Why? Because they haven't seen them yet and because they haven't seen them fail, they fill that void with optimism. And Brian Dable didn't have that coming to the Buffalo Bills. He had lots of experience calling plays. But now you get to see the other side of that. Ken Dorsey has zero experience calling plays. So because of that, I'm completely on board with you, Bills Mafia. We're here. We are 100% here. You're the most worried about punt return, kick return. I'm the most worried about punt return, kick return. The second most worried you are is Dorsey Dable. I'm also the second most worried about Dorsey Dable. So let's move on to the next piece. The next piece that you said that you were most optimistic about in second place was Elam being the guy at CB2. Elam being the guy at CB2 was the third least optimistic. So again, it lines up perfectly. It lines up perfectly. And I know it's completely lame. I know that this doesn't make for great, conflictual, intellectually stimulating podcast material, but I agree with you again. So that's right. If you're keeping track at home, all four of the rankings from most optimistic to least optimistic that you pulled, I agree with you on. I wrote out my four ahead of time so I wouldn't be negatively impacted by the results of the polls. And then the polls came in, and I thought, well, The populace feels exactly the way I feel. From most optimistic to least optimistic, it goes. Gabe Davis at wide receiver two. Then Elam, the guy at CB2. Then Dorsey Dable swap. Then punt returner, kick returner. As far as most optimistic to least optimistic. Why is Elam here? Why am I more optimistic about Elam being the guy at CB2 than I am about Dorsey Dable? Because I don't think it matters nearly as much. Levi Wallace was the starting cornerback of a top five defense multiple years. Even if Elam isn't a star, even if he's just okay, even if you got reasonable, which is what I said that Levi Wallace was, even if you got reasonable from him, it's not stopping this defense from being a top five defense. I know that. Because we've had reasonable play in that spot for the last couple of years, and the end results... We're fine. Now, do you want to take the next step? Yes, I've been pounding the table for CB2 for a million years. But even if Kyiel is just reasonable, it's not going to tank anything. Whereas if Ken Dorsey struggles to find his C legs, his OC legs, that's right. I made a pun. If he struggles to find his OC legs, that could impact the offense, which is a big part of what the Buffalo Bills do. They score points, dare you to catch up, try and take advantage of turnovers. Hopefully they can get Von Miller rolling in that way. Force teams to play from behind, force them to be throwing late, down, and Von Miller can close out a game. So I think that if you look at the worry algorithm, which is something we've talked about before, how much you should worry about something is the probability of that happening multiplied by the impact of that happening. If you look at the impact side of things, Ken Dorsey struggling as a play caller in his first year is far more impactful to the overall status of the team, in my opinion, than Kyrie Elam not being a stud right out the gate. I don't think he has to be a stud right out the gate. I don't even think he has to be really good right out the gate. I think he just has to be okay. And the thing that we're most optimistic about is Gabriel Davis at wide receiver two. So why are we most optimistic? about Gabriel Davis as wide receiver too. Why is that the thing that you and me are most optimistic about? Now, I'll tell you this right now, it's not because of his performance against the Kansas City Chiefs. One of the things that we have a bad habit of doing in fandom is we only really remember the last time we saw him. Do you remember after the Buffalo Bills lost to the Houston Texans in the playoffs? That entire offseason was nothing but Josh Allen choked in the playoffs. That was it. Even though I I don't think he was all that bad in that game. He wasn't legendary. But the narrative is determined by the last game you saw. And Gabriel Davis blowing up the Kansas City Chiefs is the thing that everyone remembers. Now they think he's ready to be a top 20 receiver in the league. That's not the reason why I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic because the Chiefs game along with every other game Josh Allen played in recent memory, proves that if Gabriel Davis wins his route and gets open, Josh Allen's going to throw it to him. And if not, I'm confident that the additions of James Cook and OJ Howard can help make the Bills more multiple to the degree where they don't have to do that. They don't have to funnel an offense significantly through wide receiver two. I don't think Gabriel Davis needs to catch 100 balls. I don't even think he needs to cast 80 balls for this offense to be really good. Jamison Crowder can play the slot role. Khalil Shakir can help. Isaiah McKenzie can contribute. James Cook can contribute. OJ Howard can contribute. That's a lot of difference makers when it comes to the passing game. And I know that you might be thinking, whoa, Jamison Crowder's a difference maker. He's just as much of a difference maker as Cole Beasley was. It's a perfectly reasonable replacement. OJ Howard is an incredibly talented tight end who has fallen on some weird situations for him. And I think that the Bills might be running a lot more 12 personnel, which means you might not see a lot of three wide receiver sets to the same degree. Now, you're still going to see a lot of it, but you might not see it to the same degree that you saw it the past two years. The Bills opened the season last year against the Steelers with a lot of 10 personnel before shifting back to 11. I think this year you might see more 12, not more 12 than 11, but more 12 than you did before. So I'm most optimistic about it because I don't think Gabriel Davis needs to take a massive step forward. I think he just needs to be the same guy that he's been. And that's the reason why I'm most optimistic. I don't think this is a Josh Reed projecting as wide receiver two to take over for pure list price situation. I don't think Gabriel Davis needs to be anything other than the way he is in order for this to work. So, my optimism list, your optimism list are the same. Most optimistic, Gabriel Davis is wide receiver two. Second most optimistic, Kyrie the guy at CB2. Third most optimistic, Dorsey and Dable swaps going to be fine. And the least optimistic, finding an answer at punt returner, kick returner. Now these aren't the only four questions facing the Buffalo Bills in 2022. But I think it's important that we're honest with ourselves going in. Because guess what? It's not going to be sunshine, butterflies, and rainbows. At some point during this season, somebody will tweet at me saying they want Ken Dorsey fired. Or they want Sean McDermott fired. The Bills are going to drop something. It's amazing. When we do schedule predictions, everyone says it's ridiculous. And then the Bills go out in 2021 and lose to the Jaguars. It's just the way things happen. The Lions whooped up on the Cardinals. Things happen. All the Colts had to do was beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in order to make the playoffs. And they couldn't do it. And the Jaguars were the worst team in football last year. Stuff happens. And if we're honest with ourselves before we go into it, if we don't say to ourselves things like, I just want a nice girl. No, that's not true. Don't say that. You know it's not true. That's not true. And if we go into this not saying to ourselves, everything's going to be amazing all the time, because it's not going to be amazing all the time, chances are one of these four things will pop up as a problem at some point over the course of the season. One of them will be questioned, maybe more than one. It's very rare that no team will ever experience any meaningful adversity on their way to the championship. It's one of the reasons why you have all these great storylines about every team that wins a Super Bowl title because it's not easy pickings for everybody. And so if you go into it and you're honest with yourself about where the problem points might lie, you'll handle the roller coaster better when it gets here. And that's what we want to do. We want to handle the roller coaster because that's what it is. It's one of the reasons why football is so popular is because there's games on Sunday and then there's an entire week to percolate and narrate. The entire Bruce exclusive experience during the regular season is about percolating and narrating. It's about digesting the storylines from that game because every game has a story. So let's be honest with ourselves before we get in there so that we can handle it better. Because that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rides.